Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. Good morning, everybody. I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Point Church. And um, we are on our way to Easter, but what was the holiday that we just uh, celebrated back in December? Yes, Dagny. Yes, Jesus' birthday. Good. I love that we've got people that want to answer in this crowd, okay? I can always count on our kids. I love it. So um, raise your hand, kids especially, if you have some favorite movies at Christmas. You got some favorite movies? Yes, yes. Raise your hand, millennials, if one of those favorite movies is Elf. Yeah, all right, good, good, good. All right, so you might recognize this name, Miles Finch. Miles Finch, anybody recognize that name? All right, so Miles Finch, uh, he is called in because there's a group of uh, uh, authors that are having a hard time. They're under a real tight deadline, and they've got to come up with a new book idea, write a new book, get it published like before Christmas or something like that. And uh, so uh, they're in a tight spot, and they call in Miles Finch, who is like a, you know, a children's author, like superstar. He writes all the best children's book, and they call him in to help them out. Well, what the fellas just read, it focuses on Jesus's call of the disciples. Jesus's call is not like calling up Miles Finch, all right? Now, let me tell you why. When Jesus calls, it's not like he's calling in a ringer, you know, to help him out, right? When Jesus calls us, it's not like he's calling us to, um, you know, cover for him, And when Jesus calls, it's not like he's calling us up um, uh, to do him a favor, right? But one of the main themes in the book of Mark that we've got to see, and remember we're asking two basic questions while we're studying the book of Mark, who is Jesus and what is it like to follow him? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the ultimate authority. Jesus is our authority. So when Jesus calls the right response is to answer. The right response is to come to Him. Because in this relationship between Jesus, the one who calls, and us, those He calls, Jesus has the ultimate authority. Now, we need to get that straight first, okay? That's like um, a top-button issue. Now, what do I mean top-button issue? Well, you know that if you get the top-button wrong what happens to everything else? It's off, right? It's off. This is the top button issue, okay? Jesus has ultimate authority, and we have seen this throughout the scriptures already in Mark, and point one is that Jesus calls you with authority. Jesus calls you with authority. Now, remember what authority means. What does authority mean? We went over it a couple of weeks ago. Authority is not just like power, right? Power to complete an action. But it also includes um, the uh, sphere of power, like the jurisdiction, like the parish of power, right? 
It also includes the right, the license to do something. Like it's Jesus' right to do this. So think about that. Bring all of those together. Jesus has the right. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the jurisdiction to call. And look at what happens when Jesus calls, when Jesus speaks. When Jesus says to the sick person, be well, what happens? The person is healed. When Jesus calls out the evil spirits, what happens? The spirits come out. That's right, Caleb. The spirits come out. When Jesus says to the disease, you're gone, what happens? It's gone. There's healing, right? And when Jesus says to sin, you're forgiven, you are forgiven. And that's because Jesus has authority. But we're taking it one step farther here, okay? Jesus not only has the authority to heal sickness and disease and to cast out demons and to forgive sin, Jesus has authority to call you to a new purpose and a true family. That's our main point today. Jesus calls you to a new purpose and a true family. And to start off with, we got to realize that Jesus calls you, He calls me with authority. But what is He calling us to? I love how Corey started us out in the prayer and the praise and the, uh, the opening, these feelings that we have, right? Sometimes we're like, is, is this it? You know, is this really all it is? And we start to forget some of the basics, right? Some of the fundamentals. And Jesus right here has taken us back to the very foundations of what it means to be a disciple, what he is calling us to. Now, some of you uh, might know that the Lord called me and my wife, Betty, uh, overseas as missionaries to Indonesia. We were over there for 10 years. I pray, our prayer as pastors is that God will call some of you, yes, even with all of your children, all right, uh, or, or whatever station in life you're in, will call some of you to go plant churches cross-culturally in other places, maybe even out of the country. Jesus does that. He has authority to do that. We were there in our first term. There were people everywhere. The Lord sent us to the most populous island in the world. It's about the size of North and South Carolina put together, the island of Java. And let me tell you, there was a honeymoon stage. It did not last very long. All right, But I remember the first few weeks I was there, I was like, wow, people are everywhere. Opportunities are everywhere. This place is teeming with people. But slowly, all of those crowds, the heat, the mosquitoes, everything, the traffic, it started to really weigh on me. It started to really weigh on me. Things started to get complicated. Right? Like I had to, we had to learn a new language and all of these things. Everything was new. And I was getting overwhelmed, getting pretty overwhelmed. And what you do when you're overseas is that you form a close bond with other Great Commission Christians 
usually expats, you know, and and so uh, we decided to go spend a few days with a fellow named Steve Sanders. He grew up in Indonesia, American guy, Oklahoma guy, grew up in Indo- Indonesia as a missionary kid, and then he came back after pastoring a little while. And so we went to hang out with him, and um, he did something for me that was very important. He said, Josh, in your first term, two-year term, first term, just focus on three things, strong marriage strong, quiet time, and begin to work on your language and culture acquisition. You know, just three things. Just boiled it down to me, distilled it into three things. And I already told you I was really overwhelmed, right? How do you think that made me feel? Made me feel good, right? It made me feel relieved that, hey, these are the fundamentals right now. These three things. It brought clarity to the calling, right? Clarity. And you've heard it all before. Clarity is kindness, right? Clarity is kindness. Clarity breeds confidence. Well, that's what I believe God wants to do for us this morning in this room. To bring clarity to our calling. And that's what He did for these disciples. But it's not just for the first few years that we follow Him. It's for all of the years that we follow Him. And the first point is that Jesus calls you with authority. And the second one is that Jesus calls you to be with Him. Jesus calls you to be with Him. We sang it earlier. What a joy to be. What a joy to know. What a joy to be with God. What a joy to know God. Let's read verses 14 and 15 one more time. And He appointed twelve whom He also named apostles so that they might be with Him and He might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. To be with Him. So, Let's say that um, you've got a problem with your dishwasher or your uh, dryer, all right? These, this is like DEFCOM whatever, high, you know, like this is a big problem, especially with big families. You've got to have the dishwasher working. You've got to have your dryer working. Let's say uh, um, you want to learn uh, how to improve your golf swing or something like that, you know? You want to improve your skin care. Where do we go to learn these kinds of things these days? YouTube! That's right! That's right, YouTube. You can find it, you can study it, you can hear someone speak. Jesus did not do it like that, okay? All right? Following Jesus is not like learning something on YouTube, okay? Now, YouTube, we need to utilize it, right? Capitalize on it. That's how I fixed uh, my dad's dryer. We had no idea, you know? And... um, uh, it's not going to be great for fixing your golf swing, though. We were talking about that earlier. <laughs> um, what did Jesus do? He called these disciples, and He calls us to be with Him. To be with Him. A disciple means like a student, a learner. But it means even more. It's got this, um, this dimension of meaning that uh, talks about active fellowship. That's what it means to follow Jesus, an active fellowship, 
an apprenticeship. Are you just enjoying being with Jesus? Think of the word savor. Are you savoring your relationship with Jesus? Vance Pittman, I've alluded to him several other times. He puts it this way. The primary call on your life is not to do something for Jesus. The primary call on your life is to be with Jesus. Our primary call, number one, is intimacy, not ministry. Maybe there are two buttons. Maybe there's like two top buttons. This is important, you guys. Primary call. Your primary call is not to do something for Jesus, but to be with Jesus. Does that bring relief to your walk with Jesus right now? I hope so. Does it bring clarity? One word that we read in the book of John Uh, In the New Testament, 118 times, more than 60 times are in John's writings is the word abide, meno in uh, the Greek, 118 times. And in John 15, he uses it like this, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. These things I have spoken to you, why? So that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, may be complete. Abide. Think of the word abide. Abiding with Jesus. Now this word abide, it means, it expresses the closest possible relationship between God the Son and God the Father. Abide. Oneness. It also expresses the closest possible relationship between Jesus and His followers. Brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus is calling us to. To abide with Him. To be with Him. This is the call of Jesus. Are you hearing this call? Jesus' call. The call with authority. Well, do we see this anywhere in Scripture? People prioritizing being with God. I think we do. You can probably think of a few, right? There's Mary and Martha. There's Jesus uh, stealing away to pray, even though there are so many crowds. John or Luke 5, 15, but the news about Him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear Him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet, Jesus often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Mary and Martha, let me read this for you. Luke 10, 38-42. If you want to turn, you can. Luke 10, 38-42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet 
and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Have you chosen the good portion? Have you chosen that one necessary habit? Being with Jesus. Sitting at His feet regularly. You see, discipleship is a relationship before it is anything else. Henry Blackaby, the awesome hero of the faith. Nancy told me they passed away just this week. Henry Blackaby puts it like this. We are so activity-oriented that we assume we were saved for a task we are to perform rather than for a relationship to enjoy. A relationship to enjoy. Is there a task to perform? Yeah, there is. And it's in the power of Jesus. It's following the Good Shepherd as He goes in front of us. But number one is a relationship to enjoy. You see, abiding, enjoying, savoring, being with Jesus, it's not just a means to an end, folks. It's not just so that we can have strength to get through the day. It's not just so that we can have strength, power, vision, uh, uh, insight into doing our ministry. It is an end in itself to enjoy Jesus. This is the Jesus that's calling you with authority today. And He's calling you to be with Him. What else is Jesus calling us to? Jesus calls you to go out and to point others to Him. So He draws us in and He sends us out. Right? It's like breathing. There's an inhale and there's an exhale. Right? It's like drawing the bow Releasing the arrow. There's a drawing in and a going out. Uh, the word apostle is, uh, is really neat. Um, it actually only appears a, a couple of times in the book of Mark, uh, but it means a commissioned follower of Jesus. And the verb form means to send with a specific purpose. To send with a specific purpose. And we read in the book of John, Jesus says, I have been sent. So I send you. Now it's important to understand Jesus has got all these disciples around him, right? But he doesn't create like a first and a second class group of disciples. Like I said, the word apostle appears only twice in Mark's writings, but disciple appears more than 45 times. All right? So the point I want to make is that Jesus is called to be with him and to be sent out to point others to Him, is for all of His followers. For every disciple, we are all drawn in to be with Jesus and then sent out to point others to Jesus. Now, what are we supposed to make of preaching, right? He sent them out to preach and gave them authority to cast out demons. Well, I want you to hold two words in your mind here, okay? Proclamation and restoration. 
proclamation and restoration. If you've been with us um, for the last few months, you remember we did this series on the story of God, right? The story of God. You look at the Bible and the big meta narrative, the big story is that God created the world. It was perfect and awesome. Humanity fell and brought all of creation with it. God rescued the world, bringing redemption through Jesus, and God will bring complete restoration one day. Think about what that's going to be like, right? No tears, no disease, no disasters, no brokenness, a perfect new heaven and new earth. Think about restoration and proclamation. You see, there is this, um, when we talk about preaching, we talk about proclamation, there's this phrase that um, you might have heard before that we really need to confront, and that's preach the gospel, if possible, use words. That is not Scripture, okay? That's not what Jesus says, right? That's like saying, hey, give me your phone number. Don't use numbers. It just doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. The gospel is good news, and it has to be reported with words. We've got to use our words, okay? We're about proclamation and then restoration. He gave the disciples authority to cast out demons. Popular Judaism at that time believed that the subduing of demons would characterize the Messianic age. That period of time when the Messiah had broken onto the scene. And the Messiah's arrival would be accompanied by exorcisms. Maybe Jesus capitalized on this, knowing the minds of other people. He sent them out. He knew what they would be looking for. So he took advantage of that. He gave them authority to cast out demons. Can we cast out demons? Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible. But understand that just like the disciples, we don't go looking for that. The disciples went out proclaiming the good news, mimicking what Jesus did. And if in the course of proclaiming, you confront the spirits, and it's frightening. We don't have to be frightened. We know that God will give us what we need. But remember this. In the book of Luke, Jesus sends out uh, the disciples two by two, right? And he says, don't take anything with you. Uh, you're going to proclaim the gospel. You're going to cast out demons. I'm giving you authority to heal the sick. Um, and, and the disciples come back and they're so excited, right? They're so excited. And they said, you wouldn't believe it. Jesus, what you said happened. And he was like, well, I do believe it, you know? And um, he said, even, even the, 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 the spirits, the spirits listen to us. The evil spirits, we cast out demons. And what does Jesus say? That's great. But don't rejoice that the spirits listen to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that you belong to me. Rejoice that I have called you to be with me. That's number one, folks. Now, think of all of the strategies that the enemy uses to bind people and to blind people. 
to bind people and to blind people. There are a lot of strategies that he's using today in this world. Demon possession was a very prominent one in that day and age. There's still evidence of it uh, in our world today, but it might not be. It's probably not the most prevalent strategy, maybe not even the most effective strategy that the enemy is using to bind us, to bind our wills, right? So that we follow Satan's mission and not Jesus' mission. To blind us so that even though we may see Jesus, that He is the Son of God, we don't want to surrender to Him. We're blind to our own position in front of Him. The point is restoration. Wherever we see flourishing and freedom being hindered, being bound, being held captive, as a disciple, we step in with a word of truth, with a generosity, an act of generosity, with a shield of protection, or with all of the above. We are about proclaiming, proclamation, and restoration, promoting flourishing, echoing in the present what is promised will happen one day, the new heaven and new earth. Complete restoration. What does that look like for your missional communities? We're a family on mission together, our missional communities. These are our family units within the big body of Christ here at Point Church. Family units. We want our missional communities to be on mission together. So where is your missional community? Where are you seeing needs in your neighborhoods? Just start there. Start there. And do some of that together, right? Where can you paint the invisible man, right? Where can you bring color to the kingdom of God that exists, to the power of God, to the king who is here with us? Where can you help people see today what the new heaven and new earth will look like one day? That's what this means. This is part of the twofold identity that we have twofold function. We are followers of Jesus. We are fishermen, fishers of men, proclaiming the gospel and bringing restoration. Now, these acts of restoration, this promotion of flourishing that we're a part of, this ministry, this mercy, mercy ministry, does it replace the proclamation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It proves it, right? It proves it. It helps demonstrate and help people see with their eyes the words we are proclaiming. You see, Jesus, He went about casting out demons, right? He performed many miracles. And what's the word in the New Testament that's often given to these miracles? signs signs so these things that we do to promote flourishing restoration they are signs that point somewhere who do they point to they point to jesus and that's why this point is that jesus calls you to go out and to point others back to him so our evangelism our proclamation that voice it should say there's nobody like jesus 
That's evangelism. There's nobody like Jesus. You were made by Him and for Him. You're separated from Him because of your innate sin and rebellion. But Jesus, He paid the penalty that you deserve, making possible reconciliation with Him. There's nobody like Jesus. And the voice, what our ministry should say is, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what I saw Jesus do. Does that make sense, everybody? Proclamation, restoration. The last part of our main point, Jesus calls you to a new purpose and a true family. Read with me Mark 3.35 again. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. God is calling us to a new family. A true family. Twice in our passage, we read the word appoint. And you know, translators do the best they can with the language they're given with English, but sometimes our English words can't really get across the whole semantic range, the full meaning of a word in Greek. And it's the case here. This word also means, it's the same one that's used in Genesis 1-1 when it's uh, translated by the original Greek interpreters of, translators of the, the Hebrew Old Testament text. In Genesis 1-1, when God created, created the heavens and the earth. This, this word means to make, to create, to appoint. You see what Jesus is doing? He's creating a new people. He's creating with these 12 disciples a foundation for a new generation under the new covenant. He's creating something new. The new Israel. And He's creating, when He's calling you, He's creating and calling you into a new family. Something new. Something different. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Jesus called 12 disciples, right? When we hear the word 12, we're supposed to think back to the 12 tribes of Israel. One expert, he writes it like this, just as 12 tribes of Israel constituted God's people at the institution of the Mosaic Covenant, so now 12 disciples will form the foundation for God's people at the beginning of the new covenant. Here, among all those who follow Jesus, is the true and restored Israel. The appointment of the twelve was the first step in the establishment of a new people of God, the church. What an awesome time in history. When God establishes this greenhouse of God's new people, with these folks, these 12 disciples. Now surely, if your mind is like my mind, you read this and you're like, okay, well what does that mean for biological families? What does that mean for like my social family? That would have been shocking, even more shocking to Jesus' original audience right here, right? To Mark's audience right here. They valued family commitments more than anything else. 
So what is Jesus talking about here? This is radical and inflammatory, inflammatory speech. Like, Jesus, what are you saying? Does it mean that we disown and ignore our social family? Our, 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 you know, inner, our, our family, right? Our immediate family. Well, think about, this is one of those cases, just kind of a lesson in studying Scripture. If we take and read only this and apply it to all of Jesus' mind and all of Jesus' will, we could get things wrong, right? So what do we have to do? We have to zoom out and we have to consider all of what we know about what Jesus taught and what the Spirit of Jesus taught through the other writers of the New Testament. Think about the fifth commandment. What does it say? Honor your father and mother. What does Jesus do when He's on the cross and He sees Mary, His mother there? He looks at the disciple whom He loves and says, uh, Woman, this is your son. Son, this is your, this is your mother. All right? He's taking care of His mom. And what do we read in 1 Timothy 5.8? It says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than any believer. So what does this mean? How do we put these two together? Well, as a disciple of Jesus, you now belong to a new spiritual family. A family that's not determined by biology or by law, but by the shared call of Jesus. So there's a, there's a matter of priority here. There's a matter of belonging here that is just closer and tighter than even your biological family, especially if your biological family or your, your immediate family does not follow Jesus. What did Jesus' family what did they say? He's out of his mind, right? He's out of his mind. Well, folks, you might be getting that from your mom and dad because of what you're doing when you follow Jesus. You're part of a cult, you know? You're out of your mind. You've lost it. You're beside yourself. People that don't follow Jesus, even if they're your mom and your dad, are not going to understand you. Who will understand you? The church. Because we have a shared call, a shared commission. Um, on the mission field, uh, in missions, what we try to do is identify people groups, right? Ethnic groups that have a shared language and a shared culture. And the reason we want to identify them, we want to know where they are, all right? Because we know that if we can win some people that are near their culture to faith, or win some people in that culture, right? That the gospel has fewer hurdles to get over, fewer, fewer barriers um, to get over, right? Because it's the same language, it's the same culture, right? Well, we call these affinity groups in the world of missions, all right? One affinity group is the deaf affinity and there's one affinity group in the whole world, right? No matter what country they live in, no matter what other language you know, their parents speak, the reason they're put together is that we understand that a deaf person in China 
has more in common with a deaf person in America than either of them do with their own culture. Isn't that wild? Because, because they, they, don't, they have the same limitations, right? They are experiencing the world in a very similar way. That's what it's like in the body of Christ, is that no matter where we are, no matter our background, our race, our color, our ethnic background, no matter what it is, we share this affinity that is much stronger than blood, right? Water baptism, it marks us as a community, right? And that water baptism is thicker than blood. Does that make sense? We are the family of God. We are a church. So, the guys, they read, uh, Noah, he read verse 9 in chapter 3. And Jesus told His disciples to have a boat ready for Him because of the crowd. Now, we're not sure if Jesus meant for this to happen, but ancient and medieval Christian artists, they took the boat up as a symbol of Jesus' fellowship with the disciples. And you can see how they would do that, right? Because a lot of really awesome stuff happens with Jesus and his disciples in a boat, right? It also meant when, when they would depict scenes of Jesus and his followers, well, there would often be a boat, right? And you can see how, how that would make sense, right? It symbolized, it represented fellowship of the believers with Jesus. That's pretty cool, huh? So, you know where Pastor Josh is going with this. Are you in the boat? Right? Are you in the boat with your unit, your family unit in Point Church? Right? Or are you clinging to the side? Right? Are you hopping in and hopping out from the shore here and there? Or do you have your unit? Do you have your family unit, your, your group that you are a part of? Are you in the boat letting Jesus set the course? So, just think about this. Where have other voices, other calls, other priorities, other fundamentals, where have those voices, those things been drowned out? Right? Where have those things drowned out the call of Jesus in your life today? I pray that today the volume of Jesus' call has been cranked has been amplified, and you see it so clearly now, so clearly, that I am called to be with Jesus, that I need to make intimacy with Jesus, time with Jesus, a priority. Not just so I'll have power, but just so I will know Jesus. Do you hear that call? Be with me. Jesus is calling you to be with Him. Do you hear the call? Has the call of Jesus been drowned out by other things? His call to go out, to go out and to point others to Jesus. We don't want to be like a dead sea, right? That has all of these tributaries, but no water flowing out, becomes septic, right? We've got to release these blessings that we have, these truths that we have to other people around us. 
What is your next step, your step of obedience today? What call do you need to give your attention to to make a priority in your life? You know, given things like this, it's probably no surprise to you that our primary strategy for making disciples, the primary strategy we want you to own at Point Church is basically three things. Grow up in Jesus. Grow up in the Gospel. Live in biblical community. And go out on mission. Does that make sense? Three basic things. The reason, the reason I preach this is not because we made that, but we made that because that's what we see over and over again in Scriptures. Do you get that? Be with Jesus. Abide with Jesus. Grow up in Him. Live in biblical community, your new family, and go out on mission. Verse 13, And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to Him those whom He desired, and they came to Him. Let's stand and pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for making Your call so clear to us. God, I pray that in Your authority, You are calling people to You in repentance and in faith. Father, give them the courage to take that step to finally give their life over to You completely. To let You name them. Because we know the One who names us defines us. Father, are we letting You name us today? We are Yours. Jesus, God, You're saying to us, You are mine. Thank You, God, for giving us a new purpose and a true family. Help us to see how we're to respond in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.